0: The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch Out, 4th of March, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about strikes in the U.S., also Palestinian resistance. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with the new U.N. climate report. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, has released a new report on the impacts of climate change, current and future. And as I think we probably all expect by now, it's fairly bleak. As the Associated Press summarizes, quote, deadly with extreme weather now. Climate change is about to get so much worse. It is likely going to make the world sicker, hungrier, poorer, gloomier and way more dangerous in the next 18 years with an unavoidable increase in risks, end quote. Already, the report details there are 3.3 billion people who are 15 times more likely to die from extreme weather due to a climate change impacts. And as the AP again notes in its summary, quote, today's children who may still be alive in the year 2100, are going to experience four times more climate extremes than they do now, even with only a few more tenths of a degree of warming over today's heat. But if temperatures increase nearly two more degrees Celsius from now, they would feel five times the floods, storms, drought, and heat waves, according to the collection of scientists at the IPCC, end quote. Climate scientists have noted that in order to avoid the most catastrophic effects, global warming must be limited, rising no more than one and a half degrees Celsius by the year 2100. But in a sign of how serious the impacts are, the report details some disturbing changes likely to take place even at that level. For instance, at one and a half degrees warming, three to 14 percent of all animal species on Earth are likely to face, quote, very high risk of extinction. Overall, the report notes that in the near term, even at one and a half degrees, the Earth would see unavoidable increases in multiple climate hazards and present multiple risks to ecosystems and humans and beyond that temperature limit, things get truly bleak. Assuming every country on Earth meets all of their climate pledges, right now the Earth is on track to warm 2.7 degrees. At 2 degrees warming, according to the report, 20% of all the water that flows from snowy mountain peaks into rivers would be gone. Relatedly, the report notes that, quote, at two degrees Celsius or higher global warming levels in the midterm, food security risk due to climate change will be more severe, leading to malnutrition, micronutrient deficiencies concentrated in sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia, Central and South America and small islands. And that 2.7 degrees is nearly three degrees If the world reaches 3 degrees, roughly one-third of all species on Earth will be at very high risk of extinction. And at 4 degrees warming, by the way, as many as 48% of all species will be at very high risk of extinction. Yes, that's right. If the Earth warms up 4 degrees by 2100, half the species we know today could go extinct. And again, this is highly possible, perhaps even likely at this point, because who really believes every country will reach its climate goals? Many, like the United States are barely even trying to meet them which ultimately is the crucial point the earth is on the precipice of total disaster planetary destruction really the possibility of half the species on earth going extinct and yet there seems to be almost no significant will to do anything about it climate change nuclear war all looming right now we're really just looking at the possible end of humanity at what point will our species switch from a competition based system like capitalism to a cooperation centered system like socialism i can't say But it really does seem like our lives depend on the answer. The Israeli Supreme Court has postponed the eviction of four families in Sheikh Jarrah, a neighborhood of East Jerusalem, and the latest development in what has become one of the most emblematic struggles against Israeli apartheid. The new ruling postpones the evictions until the issue of land ownership is settled by a department within the Israeli government that many suspect will try to delay the decision for some time and perhaps never even carry it out as a way to try to contain outrage over the evictions, which have swept the world and punctured Israel's attempts to cover up its ethnic cleansing in East Jerusalem. The ruling, while allowing the families to stay, did order them to pay a rent to a settler group, something that seems unlikely to happen and could be the source of continued tensions. However, it could also set a precedent for the 300 other families who could face legal proceedings to be evicted and allowed them to stay in their homes. The ruling comes after years of intense struggle that broke into the international consciousness last summer when thousands of Palestinians flocked to the neighborhood to defend families at risk of eviction. Israeli settlers and police instituted a daily around-the-clock effort to harass and abuse families and protesters who were often arrested, beaten, and shot at. In some cases, settlers actually forcibly moved into rooms within Palestinian homes before they were evicted to increase the pressure. The repression, however, boomeranged on the Israeli authorities and settlers as it became a very clear example to the rest of the world of the true nature of Israeli apartheid. Over 200,000 Israelis live in East Jerusalem, and there's an ongoing campaign to force out as many Palestinians as possible to consolidate Israeli control over the city. Already, 35 percent of East Jerusalem has been forcibly taken from Palestinians and given to Israeli settlers. The deputy mayor of Jerusalem told The New York Times that this forcible taking of Palestinian lands is, quote, unquote, of course, part of a wider strategy of installing a, quote, unquote, layer of Jews throughout East Jerusalem. That policy, the deputy mayor told the Times, is, quote, the way to secure the future of Jerusalem as a Jewish capital for the Jewish people. One settler also told the Times in that same piece, quote, I want Jerusalem to be Jewish. This land belongs to the Jewish nation, to the Jewish people. So the purpose of the evictions is clear to ethnically cleanse Palestinians from Jerusalem and replace them with Israeli settlers. Undoubtedly, this has quite a bit to do with the Supreme Court decision, since Israel denies its policies are ethnic cleansing and apartheid, but the reality is so clear. They have to try to find some way to hide some of the more egregious examples from the eyes of the world. And at the same time of this ruling, it's notable that the rapid expansion of settlements and contravention of all international law continues all across occupied Palestine. In fact, today in Beit Hania, a neighborhood also in East Jerusalem, Ra'ef Salameh was forced to start demolishing his own home to avoid $35,000 in charges from the local government if the police had carried out the demolition instead. Also today, 26 Palestinians were injured in weekly protests in the village of Beta near Nablus, where settlers are attempting to build an illegal settlement, showing how the Israeli government protects settler land seizures. The Palestinian struggle continues without fail, but it's as clear as ever how the so-called international community has completely and repeatedly failed to uphold any semblance of legality, accountability, or morality as it concerns Israel's crimes. (laughs) Major strike activity increased in 2021 in the United States over 2020 levels, although the number of major strikes still remains below pre-pandemic levels. The Bureau of Labor Statistics noted that 80,700 workers engaged in major strikes in 21, and major strikes, by the way, are strikes of more than 1,000 workers, and that's up from just 20,000 workers who engaged in major strikes in 2020, but well below the 425,000 in 2019, and certainly far below the 1.7 million in 1974. However, this is likely an undercount of strike activity since the Bureau of Labor Statistics only captures major strike activity. As the Economic Policy Institute laid out, quote, In California alone, fast food workers engaged in repeated brief strikes in multiple cities, including over 300 locations since the start of the pandemic, end quote. Now, of course, none of those were counted in the statistics, given the relatively small size of the establishments. The Economic Policy Institute also notes, other major strikes that were under the 1,000 employee threshold that were quite significant, like the Victoria strike of nurses at St. Vincent Hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts, the longest-running nursing strike in state history, where there were 800 nurses out for 10 months. Whatever the exact numbers are, there is no doubt that strike activity gained far more public attention in 2021 than even in years like 2019, where many more workers struck. Workers at John Deere, Kellogg's, Hunts Point Produce Market, and Nabisco all captured significant public attention, with October of 2021 being widely deemed in the media as striketober. The increased attention seems to reflect the fact that unions are more popular than at any time since 1965, with a 68% approval rating. Some 58 million workers, about half of all non-union workers, say they would join a union if they could. There are also green shoots and hard-to-organize employers like Amazon and the truckers at the Port of Los Angeles that reflect the desire to organize. It's beyond the scope of our conversation here to discuss all the reasons for the mismatch between the number of workers who want to be in unions and the numbers of workers who are in unions, but suffice it to say, one major reason is the rampant violations of the law by employers during union drives. And about 42% of all union drives, employers violate workers' rights to organize on the job. That's right. Employers often have to cheat to win. The uptick in strike activity last year, the increase in union popularity, and the more general growth of pro-working class politics in the United States are all a sign of the fact that despite the very serious challenges, and perhaps because of the very serious challenges they are facing, the U.S. working class is increasingly fighting back.